0: Welcome to Adventures with My Forties. I'm Courtney Novak, a 41-year-old woman trying to figure out how to thrive during this decade of life. You can find the show notes at CourtneyHenningNovak.com. And here's the show. Hello, adventurers. Welcome to episode 12. I'm recording this on Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. And if you're listening to this out in the future... We are in the midst of the 2020 pandemic, and also here in Pasadena, we are dealing with the Bobcat Fire, uh, which is a fire in the mountains maybe a few miles from my house, tops, and it's been about a week now, yeah, since last Thursday, where the air quality is just shit. Like, we had a couple of days where you would look up on the weather app on my iPhone. I would look it up and be like, what's the weather? What's...? And it would say, smoky. You're going to hear banging around in the background. Um, one of the kids is using the bathroom now. I'm recording this like in the middle of the day. I never have the house empty anymore. Because thanks to the Bobcat fire, preschool was canceled for a few days. Julian's going tomorrow, allegedly. They bought air filters for the classrooms, but we'll see about that. Pippa's now singing Happy Birthday in the next room while she washes her hands. I'm really grateful that she learned how to wash hands through all this, but I'm a little annoyed that they just don't understand what it means to be quiet. I'm so ready to, like, hit the pause button and just start screaming, like, what part about Be Quiet? Mommy's doing a podcast episode. Do you not understand? Oh, gosh. Patience. It's just... Can I buy some from Amazon? Like, does Amazon Prime deliver patients because I would like a bushel? Yeah, so the Bobcat fire's going on. It's in the mountains. Um, I mean, we're, we're very close, but not, like, so close that we would have to evacuate. I mean, if the whole city of Pasadena burns, it's like, okay, that's what happened. But that doesn't seem to be at all happening. But it's just been interesting. I mean, the air is shit. It was smoke, and it's improved a lot, but it's still not good. So... Like I can't take my walk and you know just like the things that were keeping me sane during the pandemic like okay so much of our life has been taken away but I can still take a walk and I can take the kids outside and get fresh air we can go in our pool and just it's like wow I will never again take the air I breathe for granted because now that is gone too (laughs) so that's that's really fun and yeah Pippa's so preschool has been cancelled for a few days And Pippa's distance learning pod that we started a couple weeks ago, and it's wonderful, and it's making distance learning so much better. And we've had to put it on hold because we're having it at one house, which happens to be really close to the fires. And the air quality for their house was so bad that they, um, our friends, just, you know, moved in with Grandma, who lives further away for the week. And, I, I mean, it's just like okay, this can't last forever, but the fire is only, it's 3% contained. It was 6% contained, and then it, like, flared up even more, so now it's back down to 3% contained, and they were saying it'll be contained by October 15th, and now they're saying October 30th. So it's just, like, like I know it's not forever, that the fires that, like, eventually anything that will burn will have burned. um, But it's just, like, I... Life would be, I I just, I want my October. I wanna be able to decorate for Halloween and um, carve pumpkins with the kids and just go on walks and scooter rides and go to the park even though the playgrounds are closed. So it's just like, I thought life was about as hard as it's gonna get and no, 2020 is teaching me that life can always get harder. And um, (laughs) that the only certainty is uncertainty. But speaking of uncertainty, I got my period again. Today's day five of my new cycle. And I my last cycle was 29 days. If you have missed the earlier episodes, all over the summer I was having just, I had a 69 day cycle where like I had normal bleeding for five days and then just didn't get my next period until 64 more days thereafter. So that was interesting. My doctor wants me to take this hormone test and I want to take it, but you're supposed to take it like seven days after you ovulate. So since my last cycle was so irregular, I was, I bought like an ovulation kit and I was doing, it's like a p-test, and according to the p-test, I never ovulated this past cycle and I never felt, um, middle that's that's a real word, it's a German word that is for the sharp pain that some women get when the egg is released and I get that for like an hour and I I didn't have it last cycle, so between no middle MERSH and the p-test saying you're negative, I mean, I could have done the p-test wrong, I I don't think so, I think they're pretty idiot-proof, but I don't think I ovulated, so I guess I'll start testing and you know, today's day five, so I'll probably start testing again in a couple of days, which is a... You know, it's an expensive proposition. Those tests aren't cheap. You know, if men had to buy ovulation kits, they would be like five bucks, but instead it's women. So the cheap kit is 30 bucks for seven. And I know it's not like it's a worthy expense. I want to understand what's going on with my hormones, but it's a little irritating. So, but you know, between the Bobcat fire and the pandemic, I'm doing surprisingly okay right now. There's plenty of feelings, but also, lots of energy and creativity, and I would like to tell you what I'm doing right, but I don't know. I think I'm just in an upswing. I mean, it's a roller coaster, and some days are good and some days are bad. And right now, I'm I'm humming along good, and um, I guess I've surrendered. I mean, and I'm which doesn't mean I'm just purely happy right now. Um, I'm frustrated by the fires and the ongoing pandemic and you know, life is not easy. And there's, um, I'll talk about it in a later episode when I have my mind wrapped around it. But a a relative, one of my uncles is sick. And so a lot of sadness and crying about that. And yet I'm doing overall pretty well. So I will just go with it. Um, Keep surrendering, I guess, and allowing my feelings. I seem to do better when I allow my feelings. Who'd have thought? Or maybe it's just the Zoloft is working really well. Okay, so let's dive into this episode. I am calling this episode the dangerous myth of self-care. Um I don't think self-care itself is dangerous, but I think the way that it gets presented is perhaps a bit problematic, or at least it was for me. So okay, here's the myth. The myth is and no one ever like states it fully this way, but I feel like this myth is implied. The myth is, if I practice self-care, I'll be happy, I'll feel great, all my problems will go away. And this idea of self-care is, well, let me take you through my journey with self-care. I was introduced to the idea of self-care when I had postpartum depression. My psychiatrist kept talking about it. And as I recovered, I started reading a lot of books about postpartum depression, and the idea of self-care kept popping up. And at first, self-care, as it was presented to me, seemed to be a lot about pedicures and bubble baths and scented candles. And I don't want to knock those things; those those are those things can be great if they're if that's your jam. Um, I do enjoy a good pedicure, haven't had one since the pandemic started, but I, you know, hopefully will get one in, I don't know, 2021 maybe, 2022. And you know, I love getting massages. But as I was recovering, I was actually staying with Nathan and, and Pippa at my parents' house, and, we, and my parents uh, got a doula, who, like a postpartum doula who's good with babies, and she herself had had postpartum depression. So I had all this help and everyone was urging me to take time for myself and I I just did not know what to do with myself and I felt guilty if I wasn't with my daughter and I felt like I was supposed to be with her like if she was awake I was supposed to be there but I like after like a week of people being like go take care of yourself come on go take some time I finally went out and got myself a massage and it was relaxing and good I still remember it but um I went and had lunch by myself after the massage and I felt relaxed but also kind of hollow. So the next day I got a pedicure and that was nice and relaxing and still I had that hollow feeling. At the same time as all this, of like doing the massage and the pedicure, I was also starting to do some art. I'd started doing art at the hospital as part of occupational therapy. And when I first heard that I would be doing occupational therapy uh, during my hospital stay, I like had this image of like, I'd only ever heard of occupational therapy as like when someone's had a stroke and they're being retaught how to use a fork. But if you are in the hospital for depression or anxiety, you know, a mental health issue, occupational therapy means arts and crafts. And it was awesome and I loved it and i was coloring but like the occupational therapist let me take coloring pencils and coloring sheets back to our common room and nathan would would visit me like at least twice a day and he saw that i was enjoying the coloring and i and that i lit up when i talked about it so he went to target and got me crayons and coloring books so that when i was discharged i could color every day and i was also and i and i really enjoyed the coloring it was just it was It wasn't even just relaxing it just felt right like this is something i want to be doing and my parents have all these art books i would pull them off the shelf and just try to copy you know like a van gogh painting with crayons and just you know really enjoyed it i was also starting to journal again i i'm a writer and i've been you know journaling on and off most of my life and on ever since i had pippa and had postpartum depression so but i forgot all about writing during the four months after I had PIPA because postpartum depression basically made me forget who I was. And I I was in the hospital, and as the Zoloft started to kick in, I got the urge to write and I had nothing to do. There was no baby there to watch. There was no TV, there was nothing. So I asked for pen and paper and got some leftover sheets of computer paper and a stubby pencil. And I was like, good enough. And I started writing and it just felt amazing. And it was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I started journaling. And I realized, I was like, okay, so I got this massage, I got this pedicure, but I'm also journaling and doing art. And the journaling and the art feels more necessary for me than the other, like, ideas of self-care. So after that, whenever I had, like, a babysitter or, you know, or Pippa was napping, I would make an effort to do some art or to do writing, and I, and when she was, you know, so much writing when she was napping. And some people didn't get it, like, why don't you go get yourself a massage, but I was just like, I like a massage, but when I have limited free time, my self-care is art and writing. So I don't want to disparage things like massages and pedicures. Like I was saying, I love me a good spa day, can't wait for the pandemic to end so I can go back to a spa. I mean, there's this um, spa in Koreatown that is a woman's only spa where I go and I get this scrub and I feel like a newborn baby and I feel like renewed. There's all these like, there's this cold plunge and the jacuzzi and then there's this hot tub that is called the mugwort bath and it's filled with like this, it's like soaking in a cup of strong tea. And then there's the sauna and the steam room and I usually get some, um, it's not, Oh, I forget what it's called. Is it called Reiki? No. What when they give you just like a really good foot massage, maybe acupuncture? Um, no, it's not with the Okay, I can't remember. You'll you guys you look this shit up and you figure it out. But it's I love that stuff. So I don't want to disparage massages and pedicures and scrubs or that type of self-care. It's just self-care can get presented as just one thing and which makes it seem like you just need to pick one thing, like the relaxation component, and that should be enough. That is that is the real problem I have with self-care, is that it sends this message that I think I internalized and that I'm... Um, I'm working through, I was reading a book the other day that talked about how, like, you know, maybe take 20 minutes for yourself and do this and, you know, do something relaxing, like take a bubble bath or do some yoga, you know, take those 20 minutes for yourself. And it sends this message that, and I've read that so many places, and that idea sends this message that if I take an hour for myself once a week, or I take 20 minutes every day just for myself, that should be enough, like, that is all I need to feel like a good fulfilled happy person and they it's not so re- reading that in a book last week and um, about how like just you know taking 20 minutes at the end of the day that made me flash back to my days as a lawyer I went to law school straight out of college and I practiced law for on my from 2004 to 2013 when Pip was born, but like only January 2013. So like 2004 to 12, like 8 years. And I was miserable. Oh my god. I never felt called to be a lawyer. I just went to law school because I didn't know what the hell else to do with myself after college. Um, If you'd stuck a bullet, like a gun to my head, I would have said I wanted to be a writer and do something creative. But I, I just didn't know how to do that. And I just had visions of myself in some, like, shitty apartment in Manhattan. It was all, and I, I don't know why I felt like to be a writer meant I had to live in Manhattan. <laughs> it probably means you should go live in, like, North Dakota and some, like, really cheap real estate so you can, like, just work a part-time job and have enough to live off of. But, yeah, I always envisioned myself in Manhattan in, like, one of those shitty, like, railroad-style apartments and where you'd have, like, six roommates and... Um, I'd have the room all the way in the back, so I'd have to walk through everyone's room and I'd have to, like, walk past people, um, having sex and all sorts of fun stuff. So it was, that was my vision. And so instead I chose law school. And I mean, I, I actually enjoyed law school because I'm, I, I, I like learning things and I liked the analysis and there was some writing, but I was avoiding the work that I needed to do and that I meant to do. And then I went and worked at a big law firm with a big salary, and then another big law firm with another big salary uh, because I had, um, instead of understanding that I am valuable as a person just for the sake of who I am, I had a lot of my value sunk into how much money I made, and how much prestige my job carried, and how much my parents approved of my career, and how much just sort of that invisible jury of people judging, um, like, imagined my career. And I stuck with that job that I just hated. And then I ended up at a small law firm for one year, make, still making very good money, but, you know, smaller, because I thought, oh, well, let me try one more thing. Because I went to law school, and even though I knew my whole body was screaming, this is not for you. I just was really worried. I always, it was never about what will I think. It was about what will other people think? And so I did self-care. I self-cared the shit out of myself. I went to expensive spas. I And I did journaling in the morning. And I went to the gym and exercised. And I went on trips. And I bought myself expensive purses that I didn't really like, but I thought I was supposed to like. But I'm really more of a tote bag person. I Just give me a cheap tote bag and I'm happy. I got facials, I got my hair done, I went to yoga, I knitted, I did so much self care. But I was still miserable, because I was denying my inner call to be a writer. And I was pursuing a career that shredded my soul. I used to tell people, uh, I worked at one firm for, I think, over four, for four years. and. So that was my longest job. And I would tell people that when I got off the elevator to go to work, I flipped the switch and went into lawyer mode, Courtney. And lawyer mode, Courtney didn't care about making mean calls to opposing counsel. And lawyer Courtney didn't care about like, was the plaintiff's story believable? Lawyer Courtney just, you know, did what lawyer Courtney was supposed to do. And then when it was, the day was over, I would get in the elevator and as the elevator descended back down to the ground floor and to the parking structure, I could switch back to normal Courtney. And I I felt proud of this, like, yeah, I just flip a switch and I become, you know, bitch mode Courtney. And it felt kind of cool, but it really, I, I also, the word shred was the one that always came to mind. I always felt like I was shredding my soul. And there was no amount of self-care that was going to make that okay. I can't, you know, go to work and bill 40 hours and be there way more than 40 hours and feel like my life is okay because last week I got a facial. It was basically like putting a Band-Aid on an amputated limb or, you know, maybe a decapitated head even. Which is, again, not to disparage self-care. Self-care is necessary, relaxation is necessary, but it has to be done in conjunction with being your authentic self, with answering that in divine call, with doing the work that you're meant to be doing in this lifetime. So all the things I did when I was a miserable lawyer that didn't work and didn't like make me feel happy and fulfilled and satisfied, uh, you know, they weren't, they just, they're not going to satisfy that itch when you're not being who you're supposed to be. They will maybe help you relax for a bit, but you're just not, they don't, they they can't be a substitute for being who you are, for just being true to yourself. So I I still do self-care. Now I'm being a lot more true to myself. I don't want to say that I'm being perfectly true to myself because like, hello, right now we're in a pandemic and my kids are home and this was like going to be my year to have so much time to do writing and do some art and um, get all my exercise done and really like feel like myself. And the pandemic is putting a lot of that on hold. I just there's just only so much you could do when you're sitting at a table supervising your second grader doing distance learning and she interrupts you like every six minutes. And and six minutes is a really good stretch. It's often like two minutes like I'll catch her just glaring at me Today she kept interrupting me to let me know she didn't like the way her hair felt and I'm just like just fucking deal with it I don't care. She don't she doesn't want to wear her headphones. It's like the whole house doesn't need to hear second grade We're all stuck in here together. So I am self carrying the shit out of myself lately I I can't get a massage, I I don't feel comfortable getting a massage and, uh, you know, I can't walk right now because of the Bobcat fire, but look, I'm doing this podcast and I'm journaling every day and I am meditating and I'm trying my best because, like, self-care is necessary, relaxation, it's necessary, but I'm also answering my divine call. I'm not answering it as much as I would like to. I would love to, like, spend three hours a day writing and I'm, lucky to get like one and a half lately and often more like 45 minutes but I am doing my best to answer that call. Um, I even started so I wrote my memoir Adventures of Postpartum Depression and I published it and I didn't do a lot of work to market it and I, I published it on the Amazon but Amazon has a lot of ways where you can um, do advertising and I realized I was like I can't just keep putting my life as a writer on hold. I wrote a really good book. I'm really proud of it so I'm starting to play with um, marketing on Amazon, and it's cool because you actually only pay when someone clicks on your ad. Here's something, I I don't want to complain too much about it, but Amazon has the, um, you know, like the Kindles, you can pay as an offer to be the the ad that shows up on a reader's lock screen so that if it's someone, so my book's a memoir, so I submitted like a request to do a campaign and you have to do a minimum of $100. Um, I was like, okay, $100 for these ads that um, would cost like 25 cents each and to show up on someone who reads memoirs screens. And I'm like, you know, I'm maybe I'll actually make that money back or maybe I won't, but it's worth a try. But Amazon rejected it because you are not allowed to do self-help books about sensitive subjects as lock screen ads and so apparently a memoir about postpartum depression counts as that so okay like fine so now I set up an ad so I have an ad running right now and I'm not sure I, I just hit a whole bunch of keywords that Amazon suggested about like postpartum depression book but I just set up one to start when this current campaign ends, to um, target people who are looking up Brooke Shields' memoir. I'm like, okay, if you're looking up Brooke Shields' memoir, you're in the ballpark of being interested in a memoir about postpartum depression. Because most people aren't looking up Brooke Shields' memoir for a celebrity memoir, it's just they happen to know Brooke Shields wrote a postpartum depression memoir. So I'm, I'm trying that, and it got approved, and I'll, that'll start like in another week. and it's just I'm playing and I'll see how it goes and um but this is me trying to do things to answer my divine call I'm like hey I wrote this book let me see if I can make a little money from it because I would yeah eventually I'd like to make money anyway I'm going going a little off subject here um but you know answering your divine call is not easy it's um like, for me right now, I, mean, I am also called to be a mother. And we can have conflicting calls. I'm called to be a mother, but I'm also called to be a writer. And the two are sometimes at odds. And, like, there was a couple of years that were tough because my kids stopped napping early. And so Julian was done napping at two and a half, just, um, or just like Pippa was. And then his preschool broke with asbestos just over a year, like a year and a half ago. And then you know we had the pandemic hit and it's just like I haven't had a really good stretch of time in a while where I had like uh, several hours to write in a quiet house or even at a coffee shop I'll take Starbucks so it's it's tough to answer my divine call to be a writer because my kids need me and I want to spend time with them but And it's going to, and I know one day I'll be like, they're in high school and I'm like, shit, I just want to spend some time with my kids. But, you know, there's never that, the the idea of balance just doesn't exist. So there's the difficulty of having the time to pursue your calling, and I get it, like, I'm right there. And there's also the difficulty of figuring out, well, what the hell is my true inner calling? And um, that's tricky to figure out because it changes you know, for your life, like for a while, I felt called to do a a podcast about postpartum depression, which was my first podcast. And then my intuition was just like, okay, we're done. And I was like, wait, what? I've been doing this for a couple of years. And my intuition is like, nope, we're done. And so then I didn't have a podcast for almost two years. And then just the call was like, "Yep, yeah, we're doing this, doing this one about your forties. Come on, do it. You know, it'll be about everything. I was like, wait, what? No, I can't start it. There's a pandemic. And my call's like, no, we're doing this now. And it's like, oh, okay. So the call changes and the call can be in conflict with other callings. Like, you know, I'm called to do motherhood, but I'm also called to be a writer and also figuring out your inner call is tough because life piles on like the day you're born you 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 and your inner call are very like connected I, i i believe that um not that you can really pursue it so let's say you're called to be you know a sing opera singer maybe you can practice that with how you wail for a bottle but for most of us we can't just i can't i couldn't just start writing stories the day i was born but the call was there and then life comes on and just like dog piles on us and separates us from our call. It convinces us that we're not good enough to follow our call. Like you're not a good enough writer. No one's going to want to read your stuff. You're not pretty enough. You're not thin enough. You should be worrying about making sure you're pretty for the boys. Um, life comes and it convinces us, convinces us that we're not enough. We're not good enough. Um, we need to fit in. We need to follow the rules. We need to be a good girl. And that's not your idea of a good girl. It's everyone else's idea. Um, We need to be like everyone else. Or we'll be rejected and cast out from the herd. Um, We get told just messages through commercials, teachers, parents, um, billboards, um, the TV shows we watch, the books we read. I mean, even just like, I loved reading Sweet Valley High, but that shit gave me some really bad ideas about what what it meant to be a female. We're told that we can't be trusted. We're told that we're not lovable. We're told that we should be happy with a bubble bath and a glass of wine and maybe a a scented candle. We're basically told, sold this bill of goods of a myth that a scented candle is the sort of self-care that should be enough to cancel out the fact that life and society is conspiring to basically Crush our spirits from the day we're born. Let me tell you about Santa Candles. And let me tell you about my husband talking loudly in the next room, defying my order to be quiet. right, I'm going to just try to ignore him. He's got such a loud fucking voice. I love him, but he's got a voice for radio. All right, and wow, I've been hearing his voice a lot lately. Love him. Love him so much. But I've been hearing everyone who I live with. Been hearing a lot of them lately. And now you're hearing them too in the background. Alright, so let me tell you about Sending Candles. When I was a miserable lawyer, I bought myself a forty dollar candle. I, I I think I bought it at Saks. I always felt like a ghost when I went to Saks. I just felt like ugh like And yet, I felt like this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm making all this money. I always go shop at Saks, and I it was just, uh, which is, and if you love Saks Fifth Avenue, that's great. God be with you. But it just, I didn't feel good when I went to Saks, and I didn't feel good buying a forty dollar candle. Just, and I and I would lit it, light it, and it was, um, I didn't feel good about myself. I didn't even like scented candles. It didn't matter if it was a two dollar candle. At Target or a $40 candle at Saks. I don't like sending candles and yet I basically set fire to $40 buying a candle. I can't tell you what your inner call is. I can't tell you what work you're meant to do in this lifetime. I can't tell you who your authentic self is. But I can tell you this. Your inner call is worthy. Your authentic self is awesome. Your work, your voice, your ideas, they are all important and the world needs them. If you're struggling ever to figure out what your divine call is, I would encourage you to think about yourself as a child. This book I was reading that sort of suggested that like 20 minutes a day was enough self-care. No, it's not. You should, it, like, it's great to do self-care, but it's not a panacea. panacea. I looked up the pronunciation of this word, P-A-N-A-C-E-A. I think I want to make the C sound, the shh, but it's actually a soft C, so it's panacea. Okay, I'm going to go. That's what the internet told me, panacea, which is like a cure-all for all ills. Self-care is not a panacea. It's like if something feels rotten in your life. It's just it's not enough to buy a scented candle. So this book that I was reading that made the suggestion of 20 minutes a day suggested think about yourself when you're 12. And I prefer to think of myself much younger than that because by the time I was 12, I had already been fucked up by society and other people's expectations and opinions and marketing and I was an approval junkie and I was way more worried about what everyone else thought of me instead of thinking about what I needed. I was still doing things that I felt called to do when I was 12. I was trying to write my first novel at the age of 12. Um, It was about a girl who was a daughter of Zeus and her name was Rash. And I, I meant Rash as in like someone who does things without thinking, but and now I look back and I'm like, rash? Like a skin irritation? Who the fuck names their first heroine after a skin ir- irritation? Like, let me write a book and name the hero Eczema. So, <laughs> but I was writing a book. So I was closer to my call at the age of 12. And my main call is writing and storytelling. So that's what I was doing. I was trying to do that when I was 12. And I was doing that in preschool i used to think I, I wasn't i couldn't even write yet and i would think and i called it thinking and my parent i would walk around my room and i would pace and i would kind of talk to myself but you know like muttering and tell these elaborate stories and they involved the smurfs and i it was basically like i was narrating fan fiction for the smurfs that involved me as a fairy with golden boots I'm not making this up And my parents would kind of look in and be like, what are you doing? And I'd be like, I'm thinking. And they're like, oh my God, our child's disturbed. But I was just answering my inner call. I just, like, I'm a a storyteller. I'm doing this podcast. I'm writing multiple books right now. Um, Yeah, I did. I started another book. God damn it. It's a pandemic. So why work on one book when you can write two? Um, I've been working on this fantasy series. And I love how it's shaping up. It's a fantasy series for adults. And I have been wanting to write something that's like for Pippa's age for like kid you know like kids who are like second to fifth grade and I had an idea years ago that I never pursued and I like it just all clicked into place a few days ago so I started working on that because why work on one book during a pandemic when you can work on two so and it it juices me up and so yeah I was a storyteller before I was even five years old like I felt I was a reader. There's pictures of me as like a baby just looking at these book bu- books so intently because that that is what I love. But so at 12, I was still really drawn to storytelling, but um, I was not doing much art at the age of 12. By the time I was 12, I thought I was a bad artist. That was because I had a lot of bad art teachers who um, basically presented art as you have to do it this way and if you can't do it the right way you're not you're it's no good. And for for like art it, who cares? If I enjoy doing art, I should be allowed to do art. So I've been painting lately and I love it. I really feel like myself when I'm painting and whether I'm painting a picture um or even just putting paint on like a piece of furniture. I just it makes me feel so good and it feels so right. But by the time I was 12, I didn't think I deserved to paint I took an art class at this um, popular studio and it's I think it's a chain or maybe it's just in Los Angeles um, but I wanted to paint and I remember the first day the teachers like what do you want to do and I was like I want to paint and she's like what do you want to paint like what sort of things do you want to paint and I told her I was like I want to paint like Vincent van Gogh I want to paint like the impressionists and she said, "Okay, but first you have to learn all the other way. You like you have to learn how to like draw an apple with pencil and charcoal so it looks exactly like an apple. And then when you have learned all of our drawing techniques and passed all of our tests, which involved like like I mean replicating all of these like still lifes, then you can do oil painting. And then you will. And then I I did one oil painting in the class, and it was like." A goblet and a little pumpkin. I love pumpkins. I even loved them then. And it was like you have to paint this so it looks like like basically like a photograph which isn't what I felt called to do but is what the class taught told me and I was paying money for the class and um, I ended up not continuing the class because my teacher ran away. She was teaching a princess. I can't make this stuff up. A princess from the Middle East, but she wouldn't identify, like, which country. And she was giving this princess private lessons, and the princess asked her to travel with her. So she just up and left. She had a kid, and she left the kid. I was, like, 12 years old, like, whoa. So, but but maybe, I don't know. So she didn't come back. So then I, the person who like owned the studio came and helped me finish the painting and he like took over and was doing a lot of it and it was very like you know like okay like I'm not paying money for this my teacher ran away with a princess but it left me with the feeling like I am not good at doing an oil painting that makes a pumpkin look exactly like a pumpkin but what I actually want to do is paint with acrylics and I want to make just like a folk art style paint picture of of a pumpkin so I'm doing that art because it's something i feel called to do and i never really had a phase in my life in my childhood where i was like full-on painting but you know i'm sure i I do remember doing it in like kindergarten so it's you know the inner call is tricky so i suggest all that rambling and all those side stories about 40 dollar candles and art teachers who run away with princesses is the whole point is to try to think of yourself as young as possible and what you enjoy doing, like if left to your own devices. Like if left to my devices, I found my mom's old typewriter and taught myself how to type and wrote little books because I'm a writer of books. So you, you, you know there was something you did. Or if it's something that you do that feels a little like almost like illicit, like I shouldn't be doing this. It's, this isn't um, like if you really... I can't even think of a good example like you're you're really into making mosaics and you're like there's no real point to this but it just I love doing it like like anyone feels bad about making a mosaic but you get the point I'm trying to make like if there's something that you want to do and isn't shooting up heroin but you feel a little guilty about doing it because it takes you away from like the housework like what you want to do instead of the housework that's what you should be doing. Oh my god, the kids are playing with a Halloween decoration now. I bought, we went to, took them to Target, and I let them get this, like, spooky phone that if you lift off, it makes, like, a dial tone, and it makes three voices, and people is obsessed. So I'm going to wrap this up now that she's, I mean, she's tried to be quiet for almost 40 minutes, so I think it's time to get back to, back to life. And, um, so what I want the carry takeaway message for this episode to be, is that self-care is fabulous and necessary, but it's not the panacea for all the ills of, like, of being a woman, really. Um, because you don't really hear about, like, oh, men should practice self-care. I mean, maybe maybe they do. I mean, I'm not reading all, like, you know, magazines that are targeted towards men, but it just seems like a, a message to, like, women. Like, okay, you're going to spend... of your life doing drudgery and supporting the patriarchy but then this 0.1% of self-care well my goodness that's all you and you've got a scented candle for valentine's day aren't you like happy now that I think that's the problem I have with self-care is when the suggestion that that is all you need to feel fulfilled and to feel like your authentic self like uh uh-uh authenticity um, unless you are called to make scented candles, it doesn't really have anything to do with scented candles. Or unless you're like, you know, want to like light a bunch of candles and then do a reading with your tarot cards, like, yes, that could be your authentic self. But if you don't even like candles, that's like not the cure to like avoiding your inner divine call. So if your soul's feeling crushed, Yes, self-care is still necessary, but think about your inner divine call. Alright, I am going to wrap this out now because I keep hearing um, one of the Halloween decorations that we bought at Target today that's like a big spooky skeleton guy and Pippa is, it's become like her companion and I think she's tormenting Julian with it again. Um, He's a little scared of it. I'm kind of questioning my judgment because it's fun, but the four-year-old's a little terrified of it, and did I just spend $30 on something at Target that is going to give him nightmares, but he loves Nightmare Before Christmas? Shit, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Folks, pandemic, Bobcat fire, I don't know. All right, on that note... I'm going to leave you. I hope wherever you are that the air is fresh and clean and pure. Please go outside and enjoy some nature for me. And if you're here in Pasadena with me, oh my god, this has to end eventually, right? Because eventually there won't be any more dry leaves to burn. All right, I love y'all. Have a good week. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Adventures with My 40s. You can reach me through my website, courtneyhenningnoback.com or on Instagram at Courtney.Novak. If you're enjoying the show, subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. Have a great and wonderful week.